Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Aaron Pedersen and you're listening to 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. <laughs> 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This week in the lead-up to so-called Australia Day, otherwise known as Survival Day or Invasion Day, many of 3CR's programs are using this public holiday as an opportunity to discuss and report on Indigenous topics. This will therefore be the focus for us at Tuesday Breakfast this morning. We're going to cover a few different issues concerning Indigenous rights and activism, including the Black GST movement, financial literacy, the debate around constitutional recognition, and lastly, what we what we as non-Indigenous Australians can do to become more involved in supporting and standing in solidarity with Indigenous Australians. We live in a society that remains at worst hostile to and at best willfully ignorant of Indigenous movements that are fighting for recognition in this country. The fact that we continue to commemorate the commencement of invasion and genocide is a disgrace. It would be no exaggeration to position Australia as one of the most backwards country in terms of respect, acknowledgement and consideration of Indigenous peoples. Indigenous people are not recognised in the Constitution, no treaties have been signed, rates of imprisonment have not decreased, rates of Indigenous children being removed from their families have not declined, colonisation has never ended. This week I hope that as non-Indigenous Australians we can take the time to reflect on what this means and how we as individuals reinforce racism, colonialism and discrimination of Indigenous people. I would like to finish this little introduction to the program with a quote from Celeste Little in an article she wrote last year. She says, The answer is not for white Australia to include more Aboriginal people in Australia Day events. It's not to get more Aboriginal people to sing the national anthem in public. It's not to include a welcome to country ceremony before ignoring what this ceremony means. It's not to misappropriate our iconography as a way of selling your meat. Doing all this merely erases our history and assimilates our identity. The answer is for people to engage with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and find out why so many of us do not consider this a day of celebration. It's to come to our events on our terms, lend yourself and your banner-making skills to an Invasion Day protest, see our bands, talk to our elders. Mostly, though, it's to challenge yourself to stop reiterating the mistruths this country was built upon and commit to a better and more equitable future. We would also like to acknowledge that the 22nd of um, this month was International Day of Solidarity for Trans Prisoners. This grassroots project was initiated by Marius Mason, a trans prisoner in Texas, US. This annual event is being led by trans prisoners and their supporters from around the world. And now we're going to play a song by Dreaming Now featuring Philly, Adrian Eagle, and culture evolves, and the song is called Australia Does Not Exist. Mm-hmm. 
And that amazing song comes to us um, from Dreaming Now featuring Philly, Adrian Eagle and Culture Evolves. And the song was called Australia Does Not Exist. Join 3CR for our Invasion Day broadcast on January 26th. Tune into 3CR between 11am and 4pm for our Treaty Now special broadcasts. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land and Aboriginal law. And now we're going to share a short documentary about um, contemporary and historical Indigenous issues, which was created in the lead-up to the Camp Sovereignty protest during the 2006 Commonwealth Games in Melbourne, Australia. It's narrated by two of the leaders of the Black GST movement, Robbie and Marge Thorpe. Um, and so GST in this context, for people who don't know, stands for Genocide, Sovereignty and Treaty. And there was a bit of a rehash of this um, this documentary on Sunday at the Melbourne Museum. Um, for those of you who missed out, I believe it was recorded. Perhaps you could go to the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance Facebook page and see when they put it up. Um, but it was a wonderful, wonderful panel discussion moderated by Tony Birch. And so we hope you enjoy this audio. That supply rides at anchor, where the real supply was hove to on January the 26th. 1788. We see the natives gathering in corroboree to ward off the invaders, just as they then did. Before Captain Phillip lands, Lieutenant Ball takes a boatload of marines ashore to keep the natives in check. In the face of menacing savages, the white men advance up the shore of the new land. Especially if there appear to be no women amongst them. Is there any likelihood of an ambush? See that no that remains skulking about. Now Philip himself lands. So a handful of Englishmen took possession of a continent, a vast, unknown, primeval land. It is now fitting that we should turn our minds to the purpose underlying this enterprise, which is to plant a fresh sprig of empire in this new and vast land. It may be that this country will become the most valuable acquisition Britain has ever made. The flag of England is hoisted again where it first flew in Australia. This time watched by thousands of Australian-born citizens of the Empire. The Black GST is a political statement by the indigenous people of Australia. What it represents is genocide, sovereignty and treaty. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty to be recognised, a treaty to be made. There are fundamental legal issues in this country that remain unresolved. As far as I'm concerned, there's no more clear-cut case of the act of criminal genocide anywhere in the world. You know, 
um, you, you know, the issue of genocide in Germany because it was um, a brutal extermination process on humans. So it was quite clear how that was an act of genocide. And Indigenous people also went through that process. When um, this country was invaded, our people were murdered, outright slaughter of Aboriginal men, women and children. But it's ongoing genocide. There's still no recognition of our law, our sovereignty. There's no treaties. There's no proper laws in this country that recognise our humanity. Until that happens, the issue of genocide is still alive. I'm calling the corroboree of all the natives of New South Wales to send a petition to the King in an endeavour to improve our condition. All the black man wants is representation in federal parliament. There is also plenty of fish in the river for us all, and land to grow all we want. 150 years ago, the Aboriginals owned Australia, and today he demands more than the white man's charity. He wants the right to live. Sovereignty is basically the rule of law of that land because it, uh, the white man claims to have sovereignty. He's a superior authority in this, in this country and the whole basis of occupation is based on that assumption of superiority. Indigenous people are recognised as having the oldest civilised society on the face of the, the earth. And this is a sacred land, this country here, and there's a sacred law that goes with it. It needs to be recognised. It's in the interest of all people living here. This is not England, and the law of England shouldn't apply. In fact, probably the worst thing in the environment is the actual whitefowl law. It, it allows for our sites to be destroyed, whereas our law would never allow that to happen. Our, our law looks after the land, and the white man's law allows for the destruction of the land. They need to come to terms with that historical legal fact of the matter. There's no treaties, there's no documents of consent, there's no documents that you can produce that say that you've got a right to occupy our land or apply your law to our people in particular, or anybody else here. This is the land of Indigenous people, and it always has been and it always will be. So I don't know what to say to um, Middle Australia, but I know that... Um, we have something positive to contribute to this country. We're not saying that everybody should go back to where they come from. And the boat people for us came 213 years ago, and they've been coming ever since. And we don't really see any difference between the first wave of migration and the last one. What needs to be addressed in this country is proper protocols where recognition of the sovereign owners of this land is recognised and that due respect is given to those people and that understanding can only come about when people walk together, learn together and share together and instead of raping us and murdering us for this country let's make friends, let's resolve the differences of the past and let's get along together as and this nation should be. We're not out to be angry or cause trouble or violence 
but we have to be able to stand up and say what is wrong and we have to be able to put forward our resolution to this trauma that we live in. I don't know what a war means to you, but when a, a fleet of ships with military and a, a diseased cargo turns up in your territorial waters and claims land on behalf of the, their sovereign, that's an act of war and aggression. Uh, that's what happened in 1788. Until you've got a treaty, that's an invasion. And it needs to be sorted out. It's, that's the, the understanding of international law norms anywhere else in the planet. But there's no treaties in this country. There's no document that you could call yourself a civilised society based on a, a legal document that recognises our people and justifies your occupation of our land. The reconciliation process in itself identified the unfinished business in this country, the issues that needed to, to be addressed. That was the hard issues, the issues that was identified was customary law. It was sovereignty, it was a treaty, it was recognition for the stolen generations and acknowledgement that that actually did happen and an apology. To have a legal status defined in this country of who we are. It's got to be a proper internationally uh, scrutinised treaty process to go down with all of the sovereign black nations in this country. There's something like 500 of them. Yeah. You might, might have a, a prototype treaty, but all those mobs have got their own right, they have their own sovereign treaty with people who, well, whoever they are, whether they're African, whether they're Queen or somewhere or whether, if they're on their land, they've got to do the business, they've got to do the proper law business to occupy land. Because we don't be trudging all over our country, jumping on our graves and, and defying our sacred sites. And there's laws that go with this land, you need to adhere to them for your own benefit too. Yeah. Everyone else here today has, has brought along their flags uh, of their country and we're doing exactly the same thing, we're promoting our flag, the flag that we've chosen to, uh, to follow and we're displaying that and there's no harm that, in, in doing exactly that and we're going to sit it out quietly like the rest of them, enjoy the games but display our flag and that's what we're doing. Stolen Wealth Games is representative of the Commonwealth nations of which Britain controlled of the rape and murder of Indigenous people across the world in the quest for resources and land. And many of those um, Indigenous people across the world have experienced the same situation as Indigenous people in this country, the ongoing and continuing genocide of, of the Indigenous peoples. So they're trying to white out the history and rewrite it. You know, as generations go on, they forget about what happened in the past, it becomes more and more remote. And they rely on that. The whole world of colonialism relies on forgetting about the past. And they don't want to know about it. Because this is where their wealth come from. Stolen. It's a stolen wealth. And our people have had everything stolen. And that was a video called The Black GST, um, created by Tim Parrish and Krusty. 
and it was highlighting um, issues of Aboriginal rights in the lead-up to the Stolen Wealth Games in Melbourne 2006. Um, and now I think, George, you're going to play a song. Yeah, we're going to hear a tune from an artist called Garua, who's actually playing, we'll mention this later when we do our community announcements, but he's playing at the Belgrave Survival Day on Invasion Day. So this tune is called Vine of Love. So that was Garua um, Guy Kamangu, who is an Australian singer-songwriter hailing from Milingimbi Island in northeast Arnhem Land. Uh, uh, he's a Yolungu man and he sings in um, Gupaguingu language. Um, and yes, as I mentioned earlier, he'll be playing at the Belgrave Survival Day this Friday, so it should be really great. Should be. Um, so now we're going to... Um, so uh, warriors of the Aboriginal resistance are doing this thing where it's seven days of resistance. Um, they're sharing articles, resources. Um, they're also having events as well, events that they're running. And it started on the 20th, uh, no, the 19th, sorry, and it goes on and it goes to the 26th of January. And it's, it's basically the lead up to Invasion Day. Um, so... What I thought we would be nice today, what we thought would be nice today, would be to um, look at one of the resources that they shared. And one of this resource is from the Curie History website. And it's um, basically a timeline of significant moments in the Indigenous struggle in Southeast Australia. So we thought we would, um, throughout the show, each pick, you know, a few significant moments um, of Indigenous uh, First Nations um, resistance struggles. And I think Lauren is going to start us off with a significant moment that she chose. Yeah. Um, so I think also, um, and I'm not sure if you mentioned it, I'm so sorry I blanked out for no, a sec, okay. but I think Gary Foley has organised this timeline. Yes. Um, so amazing work done there by him. Um, but I thought I would like to highlight... Um, Given the debate around Invasion Day and this um, this reluctance of people to change the date, um, or at least to you know to pick a more inclusive <laughs> more inclusive date, um, I thought it was worth noting that in 1938 there was um, a day of mourning and protest held on the 26th of January, and that was the celebration of 150 years then of theft and genocide. So that's 80 years ago um, and the Aborigines League called to white Australia you took our land by force you have almost exterminated our people but there are enough of us remaining to expose the humbug of your claim to be civilised, progressive and humane and I think those words still ring pretty true today unfortunately um. <laughs> 
3CR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. Tune in, dig deep and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers and creepers and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5 and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning. Remember, Nanox is a special day for us, fellas. As a reminder, who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy night off. And now we are joined on the line by Amanda Young, who is the CEO of First Nations Foundation. Thank you, Amanda, for joining us this morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure. So um, maybe we could just start by um, by you telling us what is First, Nation, First Nations Foundation. Sorry, my coffee is only half drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, First Nations Foundation, we've been around for over 10 years as a foundation. It's got a bit of an interesting history. We originally started off as First Nations Credit Union, so we were the first Indigenous bank that started in Australia, and it's now part of Credit Union Australia, which is the you know, the biggest one. Um, it got chomped up as part of, you know, when all the banks merged. Um, so we've been helping Indigenous Australians with their finances for a very long time. And uh, we kind of really do two main things. We do financial literacy training, and there's a whole history around you know, the colonisation history that's left Indigenous Australians in a rather um, unhelpful place when it comes to financial literacy. And we also do outreach. So we go to Aboriginal communities and we teach those skills, particularly with superannuation. 
Okay. And so um, I was having a bit of a, a bit of a dig around on your website, and it seems like a lot of the programs are designed and run by Indigenous Australians as well. Is that an important part of your your organisation's model? Vital, yeah. <laughs> I would say our, our charity is Indigenous run, Indigenous led. Our products are for Indigenous people. Um, if you think about it, you know who likes talking about money? It's not the most delicate of conversations. Uh, it is a delicate com- conversation, I should say. And there's, it's so important for the messaging to come from a trusted, trusted source. So for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, after having had their labour and wages and welfare controlled for so long, they don't want to hear from non-Indigenous Australians about how to handle their money better and how to develop money skills. They want to hear from their own people. So it's critical for us. Our trainers are Indigenous as well. It's yeah. a really very successful model. Hmm. And um, and so when I was on your website, I was quite stopped in my tracks. I think it's one of those things that you you know but um when you see it written in a sentence it's quite like um that only one generation of indigenous australians have been given full control over their working wages um that is yeah it's shocking yeah it's it's really full-on and then i guess when you sort of think about it um you also have things like policies like the cashless welfare card and community development programs and those sorts of things um can you talk us a little bit talk to us a little bit about yeah about this lack of control over over financial resources and what what sort of impact you're seeing from that? Yeah, sure. Um, there's a lot of conversation, particularly around Australia Day, that's really focused on the political and um, social aspects. We really sit in the economic space, so we can tell a really interesting story. It's never a happy one about um, what happened, the effect of colonisation had on Indigenous Australians. So apart from land being taken, resources being taken, and then being exploited as a workforce, um, the wages of Indigenous Australians, the, the history in different regimes around the country, it's not a blanket uh, rule, but... Different regimes around Australia had different controls, but fundamentally, because Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people weren't considered people, they weren't allowed to receive their money, and so we weren't. We had the, the wages for our people were paid to the government, ostensibly for their protection. So I'm sure you've all heard of the Protection Act. Um, look, that persisted right up with some variations, but it kept on going until the 1967 referendum. And then in the 1970s, finally started to relent. And we had a situation that I guess slipped past the notice of most people, and that was that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people started receiving their money and their wages for, you know, fair day's pay for a fair day's work, but hadn't learned any of the skills about how to manage that money and make it work for them. Mm. So it's only been, you know, a very short amount of time that that's happened. Now, if you think about mainstream Australia, and I ask this a lot, where do you learn, you know, how do you know what a good interest rate is? How do you find these things out? And most people will say, well, my my family, I learned it from my family. But what do you do if no one in your family knows that? So we end up with situations where there was a a car dealer up in North Queensland who was selling cars to Aboriginal people um, and Torres Strait Islander people for 48% interest. And the reaction is really stunning. You have two completely different reactions in Indigenous Australia who 
a blank when you say that and don't understand what the issue is. And, you know, the rest of Australia is saying, oh, my gosh, how can you, how can you not know that 48% interest is really high and really wrong? So it's a very long journey that we have to go through. And I guess that the, the position that our foundation takes is to assume nothing, yeah. to not have that cultural bias that <clears throat> exists in the mainstream about, oh, well, people just know what an interest rate is or people understand how the economy works. We go back to basics and explain the whole thing and set Indigenous people up. So we always seem to have the, the situation in a training session where someone will honestly put their hand up and say, I didn't know the difference between a debit card and a credit card until today. I had no idea. Mm, yeah, important stuff. And um, mm-hmm. and your work also focuses a lot on people's superannuation because um, yes. there is a significant gap that you talk about a lot. Um, could you explain a bit about that? Yep, sure. Um, so, look, the gap is we think it's about 27% and we are having to guess a little bit because and sorry, there so is between data. Indigenous Australians and non-Indigenous Australians? Non-Indigenous Australians. Mm. In a best-case rosy scenario of a male wage and an assumption of 40 years continuous work. So, you know, when you're talking about long periods of time, 40 years, um, you've got to factor in a lot of things. So that's your best case scenario. We think that it's a nearly a 30% gap for Indigenous Australians to non-Indigenous based on a few things. So that's like pay, mm. um, getting paid less, about... Um, work and, you know, first of all, the percentage of Aboriginal people who are in the workforce, so that's quite low, but also the amount they're paid. The accessibility of the superannuation system, I don't know if many of you had to delve into it, but my gosh, it's complex. And then finally, and this is where we really occupy space, awareness by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people about superannuation. So I'll give an example. We did an event up in Brisbane in July and a fellow walked past me and I said, oh, have you got any superannuation? And he said, nah, kept on walking. And I said, but haven't you worked in the last 20 years? And he had. So he came in and to his utter amazement and surprise, he had $27,000 in superannuation. Mm. And until that moment, he had no idea that existed. So (laughs) in terms of um, awareness of where your superannuation is and if you lose touch with it, it becomes lost, for want of a better term. It's never really lost. If it's attached to your tax file number, you'll always find it. Yeah. But in Australia, there's $11.6 billion of lost superannuation looking for its owner. That's insane. <laughs> That's <such laughs> right? a huge number. Jeez. It's a massive number. And, you know, I'm really interested to know how much of that's Indigenous. Yeah. So we have held, we do these big super day out events, um, which is we bring superannuation people, get Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people together, and we sort, help them sort their superannuation out. We've done four of those events, they're like a half day, and we've reunited $1.1 million with Indigenous Australians mm. of lost super. Goodness. Well, um, <laughs> that those numbers are staggering. I'm um, I'm sitting here with my mouth wide open. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us, and um, all the best with the rest of your work. It's really important stuff. Thanks. I'll just mention we're going to be in the APY land in Central Australia this year, and then we're heading up to Brisbane in July, and then we're going to do uh, remote Cape York. 
Well, so, we'll anybody we'll listening is in those areas and needs a hand finding their super, yeah, get in touch. Please come. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks so much. Bye. Um, and I've been really neglectful. We haven't mentioned the weather yet. Uh, this is Tuesday breakfast, and, of course, you want to know what to wear today. It's going to be apparently a top of 24, partly cloudy, Um, I hope that humidity is not as high as it has been the last few days because my hair is over it. And there's a bit of a cold war going on between who should go next. So I think that George is playing some audio. Thank you. Yeah, we're going (laughs) to listen to um, an audio. This is actually made by BuzzFeed. uh, And it's um, Aboriginal people's responses to Australia Day. Australia Day. Uh, mm, Australia Day. It's an interesting one. Australia Day. What is Australia Day? Don't you mean Invasion Day? It means different things to different people. For us, it means survival. Invasion Day. Our survival. Survival Day. And celebrations of survival of one of the oldest cultures, if not the oldest culture on Earth. Racism. I think a joke. It's really sad. My gut drops. The fact that they celebrate that day that we lost all that we had. Yeah. Pissing me off. It's insensitive to say the least. An offence. It's everything at once. Brotherhood, sisterhood, clan, mob, strength. It does bring up a lot of hurt, a lot of heartache. It's like somebody that comes into your house, does horrible things to your family, and they're like, ah, oh, dude, we're going to like have like a party have a barbecue and listen to Triple J yeah and we're going to put it on the date we turned up and you're like that's kind of sadistic man like why would you do that people celebrating the day that your people got slaughtered and invaded and the day that caused all that destruction and all that suffering to very peaceful people for a lot of Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders it's a day of mourning It's the day that marks the beginning of the massacres. It's celebrating rape, it's celebrating murders. I celebrate so many things about being here, about how beautiful this country is. But at the same time, there's a dark and disconnected culture. I think that our country is a great country and it's beautiful and there are a lot of opportunities here. I feel that Celebrating Australia Day on the 26th of January is wrong. That doesn't make any sense. The 1st of January 1901 was when the states federated to become a country. It was loosely called Australia before then. It became official. This was now the nation called Australia, the Commonwealth of Australia. That should be Australia Day. If it's truly a celebration of what we are as a nation, then we need to include the first nations of this country. A day that we could all celebrate. I'll help you celebrate it if you like. We're quite inclusive people, so we just want to be included as well. Maybe you should celebrate Australia as a whole and as it was before. And think about who's included in that culture when you're celebrating. So that was an audio done by BuzzFeed, um, and it's about Aboriginal people's responses to the idea of Australia Day. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. 
You're listening to Done By Law. Brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. And we're back again, and I thought I would share um, another significant moment in Indigenous struggle in South East Australia. All these significant moments that we're sharing can be found on the Koori History website. And so I want to share a moment in um, 1925. Uh, Fred Maynard, a self-educated former drover who had been active in the Waterside Workers' Federation during the First World War, set up the Australian Aboriginal Process, sorry, Progress Association. The AAPA officially launched in February 1925, and it was the first Aboriginal political organisation to create formal links between communities over a wide area. The extraordinary thing about the AAPA was that its leaders, Fred Maynard and Tom Lacey, had been strongly influenced by the ideas of Marcus Garvey, the West Indian who is regarded as the father of black nationalism. And the AAPA was important because of the role it played in planting political seeds that flowered in future generations of Indigenous political leaders in southeastern Australia. Thanks, Anne. So I'm going to play another tune now. This is from one of my favourite artists. Her name's Emma Donovan. And, um, yeah, she's an Indigenous Australian singer-songwriter, and this song is from her album that she did with a band called The Putbacks in 2014, and the song is called Black Woman. So that was the incredible Emma Donovan. Um, I, if you haven't listened to that album, it's, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a 2014 album, Emma Donovan and the Putbacks. Uh, I would strongly recommend. Every song on there is just incredibly amazing. She's got such a powerful voice. So we're going to listen to another audio now, and this is from Voices of the 3%, which promotes debates around constitutional recognition for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the Australian Constitution. Sorry, Constitution. So I'll just pop that on for us now. I think when they wrote that Constitution, they didn't expect our people to be around. Soon, all Australians will be asked to make a decision about changes to the Constitution relating to Aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders. Indigenous communities now comprise only 3% of the total population of Australia. This means effectively, the other 97% will be making that decision on our behalf. 
I've been around this world before. Tattoos, black skies, lights all before. We ask you to listen to what we have to say. It's important that you fully inform yourself before voting yes or no. I think it's a complete waste of time, a waste of money, a waste of energy and focus. We're, we're oppressed in our land. Now we're talking about constitutional recognition. Right now, there is a one-sided debate taking place. The Recognise campaign receives bipartisan support and millions of dollars in funding. It calls for all Australians to back constitutional change and argues that this decision is simple. It argues that it's black and white, that we're all Australians, that we deserve equal rights and that it's the next step towards reconciliation. But it's not that straightforward. In fact, many of our people don't want the proposed changes to go ahead. I don't believe that we need to be recognised in, in the Constitution because they're not recognising us in this country. We've been campaigning for a treaty for decades. Many believe now is the time we should be discussing a treaty, not the Constitution. We need something big to change and something, a, a, a big change to happen. We need a blank page, start fresh, you know, and we need to base our society on the original people and our beliefs and our um, values and our, like our systems and our way of life. Unlike countries such as the US, Canada and New Zealand, Australia is the only Commonwealth nation that has never entered into negotiations about a treaty. But this is not the only reason for resisting constitutional recognition. There are many reasons why we don't necessarily want this to happen. Where's, where's our self-determination? Where's our identity? Society that's forced everything that was beautiful out of it. Ask an average people you're part of your, your racist, why only policy constitution is an insult 100 years later. It's never about asking Aboriginal people what we want, consulting us, it's just doing it to us. Everything is done to us. It's time to recognise the voices of those who are not being represented in the mainstream media. Please, take the time to listen to what we have to say. So we just heard a little audio from Voices of the Three about the debate around constitutional recognition. Rumination. Three CRs, Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program featuring information on health and housing services as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855 AM. And we're back at Tuesday Brekkie with myself, George, Ayan and Lauren. What's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> it's uh, it's 18.7 degrees, it's going to be 23, becoming sunny. We're going to go into some community announcements now. So most of these are centred around various Australia, sorry, Invasion Day events. The first one, I'm a little bit hesitant to mention because I think there's limited seating. <laughs> and I don't, don't want to miss. You don't want a three CR community <laughs> yeah. crowd rushing there. But I don't want to be selfish, so I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with the world. Um, 
This one's called Women on Country, Indigenous Sovereignty and Feminist Identity. I think we're all going to that. Yeah. We're all <laughs> going to that. So yes. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Sorry. Here goes that spot. All right. Snap your ticket now. So um, it goes from 6 to 7.30. It's at the Wheeler Centre for Books, Writing and Ideas. It's a double book launch by Cordit Books in partnership with Australian Poetry. It will be a free event with wine. Uh, at tomorrow, right? Yes, that's yes. right. Um, so there will be readings by both Janine Leanne's uh, Janine Leanne and Anne L. V. White, and their books are called Walk Back Over and White on White. So mm. they're both published by Corded Books. It sounds really interesting. Mm. Wheeler Centre, love mm. it. Is it in the city? It's um. So the State Library, if you go down Little Lonsdale, like yep. up past that horrible, um, I won't actually denigrate <laughs> them on air, but um, yeah, up past the State Library okay. on Little Lonsdale, there's like a small entrance on the side. Cool. Wheeler Centre sign is green. Awesome. Mm. Uh, so it does mention that to, to get in, it's a first in, first serve. So yeah. I think you've got to turn up a little bit earlier for that and, one. And, and, and can I quickly just say yeah. something? All the black people, please get there early because whenever it's a cultural event, white people get there so early. <laughs> it's just like, have some yeah. respect. Please get Seriously. to the back of the line. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like if I went to like a cultural event that that I wasn't a part of, I'd make sure, you know, like I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't take the first row or, mm. you know, yeah. I'd make sure like there was enough representation before I went in. So just please be mindful when you turn up. I was just trying to think of a white people cultural event, and I was like, blank. <laughs> like, I'm trying, like, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. exactly. You know, I wonder why. Yeah. Sorry. No, no that's please, a really, that's continue. a really important point. <laughs> um, all right, next event is Paying the Rent with War. So the day before Invasion Day, so Jan 25th, there will be a war, so Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance, for those of you who don't know, a fundraising event at Bar Open. Um, there'll be some great music, Two Steps from the Water, Parsnip, Alice Sky, Hugh Futsen, and Sleeping Lessons, as well as some guest speakers. It's free entry to people with Indigenous heritage and $10 for everyone else on the door. Next one is, of course, the um, Invasion Day uh, protest. So warriors of Aboriginal resistance are calling all community and supporters to stand with them on Invasion Day. Rally starts at 11 a.m. this Friday on the Parliament Steps, Spring Street. You can bring flowers, apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Flowers and signs are encouraged, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Flowers, what type? Just I don't know. I think yeah. it's to lay in, um, in, like in recognition of mourning. Cool. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's a really nice idea. Uh, and there'll be lunch afterward at Ballet Nurin Festival in Treasury Gardens. Mm-hmm. So, next event is the Belgrave Survival Day. It's also on um, Survival Day, obviously. Celebrate Indigenous culture and the survival of Australia's First Nations people throughout 230 years of white settlement. It's free and family-friendly with one of Australia's most respected and inspiring Aboriginal singer-songwriters, Garua, a Yulungu professional performing artist from um, North East Arnhem Land, who he'll be headlining. Um, other artists include the Dean of Soul, the Mulum Mulum Choir, and the Hip Hop Crew. Seed, Indigenous Youth for Climate Action, will be speaking at the event as oh, well. I love Seed. Yeah. yeah. Up, seed Mob. <laughs> and it will be held at Borthwick Park from 12 to 5 p.m. So that's in Belgrave. Next event, so it's another gig. It's called Give It Back. Also on Invasion Day, it's at the Tote and it starts from 5.30pm. Tickets are available online. All proceeds from door sales and raffle are going to VACA, which is the Victorian Aboriginal Childcare Agency, an Aboriginal controlled agency that provides programs and advocacy to Aboriginal families to keep them supported, healthy and connected to their community and culture. 
The next event, this is a post-Australia Day event. It's at the TOF in town. It's called We Survived. Uh, that's on Saturday the 27th at 5pm. Artists include Philly, Kalyani, Alice Skye, Eric Avery, um, and Malin Slater-Burns and a few other artists there. So that's $10. You can get those tickets at Mosh Ticks, um, and tickets on the door are 15 bucks. Another event we've got is called Yabun. So with many Survival Day events set to take place around the nation on Friday, um, oh, sorry, this actually is in Sydney. My apologies. I saw Victoria Park and I thought, that's Melbourne. Yeah. Well, but there I mean, must be a... <laughs> Victoria Park is, there's one in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm going to skip that one. So, no, no, no. <laughs> let, no oh, should I still mention yeah, it? No, let Do we have any Sydney li- listeners here? Um, well, I'm, I'm sure because we listen to some Sydney programs. Yeah, okay. Well, so, yeah, so that's um, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Celebrating Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art, culture, dance, music, politics and heritage. Now, is that everything? Yes. Oh, That's it. God, there's so much to do. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. And, and we would, we're all definitely going to be there um, mm. um, on the on Invasion Day. And I hope it's a big turnout. Have yeah. you noticed the demonstrations are getting bigger and bigger? Yeah, although I was <coughs> just reading on this really wonderful Gary Foley timeline um, that actually in... Oh, now I've lost it. Hold up, hold up. I think it was in... The 80s, they were having 20,000 people show up on Invasion Day to the protest. So this has been going for a long time, and it's wild that we still um, we still even need to protest it. To be honest, mm. um, you have forgotten one community announcement. Yes, yes. Um, so we've got one more, which is uh, I think they're a band called Killjoy, mm-hmm. um, and so they are playing. They've got a few gigs actually uh, through Midsummer, the the festival. Um, on the 24th, 25th, 27th of Jan and into February as well. Um, and I believe, yeah, so they're not playing on Australia Day because out, well, of, out of respect. Yes. So if you can get down to an Invasion Day um, <coughs> rally or protest or mm. event or something just to to show solidarity with um, Indigenous Australians and um, stand up to racist policies in this country. Great Voices CDs on 3CR. These CDs are a unique collection. Now you can go to 3cr.org.au and you can order online all the 20 CDs, 15 issues, for $160 postage pay. Or check the individual issues and read each track on it. Every major singer is on there. You'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs. And now we're going to um, share another significant moment. Um, uh, should I go? I think so. Yeah, okay. Well, let me just go through this. Um, hopefully I won't share the one that you've shared. Did you share the 1938? I did. Okay, well, there you go. I've got one. I've got one. Oh, sure. Um, so this is also in 1938 on December 6th. 
William Cooper leads a deputation of Kuris from the Australian Aborigines League in an attempt to meet the German consulate in Melbourne and present a resolution condemning the persecution of Jews and Christians in Germany. I think that's really interesting as a really early example of, of intersectionality and, mm. and different movements supporting each other. Yeah, so speaking of different movements supporting each other, um, this happened in 1965. It's pretty much what was happening in the US called the Freedom Bus Rides. I had no idea Australia had its own version. But in February 1965, Perkins and Reverend Ted Knopfs of the Wayside Chapel organized a freedom ride with 30 white Sydney University students from the group Student Action for Aborigines. He took Safa on a bus ride into some of New South Wales' most notoriously racist country towns. That's not funny, but in hindsight, it sort of is. Oh, my God. Um, they were pelted with eggs and rotten fruit when they tried to desegregate the Moore swimming pool and such was the level of violent response they encountered that the hired bus driver left the tour halfway through out of fear. But the resultant publicity resounded around the world and exposed the vicious nature of Australian racism in an unprecedented way. Oh my gosh. So all this, you, you, know, you know what's annoying? I wish they had been teaching this um, at yes. schools, uh, that's that's something that actually we're going to get into now with alternative news. Some folks know about it, some don't. Some will learn to shout it, some won't. But sooner or later, baby, here's a ditty. Say you're gonna have to get right down to the real nitty gritty. Let's get right down to the real nitty gritty now. One, two, nitty gritty now. glad we found it for alternative news so what were we saying i think we were just excited about i just really love that story because i love the idea of um solidarity and activist movements sharing from each other and this idea of the freedom riders being so you know it was obviously huge in the freedom movement in america in the 60s Palestinians have used it a lot in their struggle um, mm. and any Angela Davis fans listening will know that <laughs> this is just one of those things that is so powerful, like is so accessible for people who don't have many resources or anything. But if you have access to a vehicle, um, you have access to this form of activism. And I think that's awesome that mm. people can share from each other. And I'm so fascinated to know that it was happening here. Um, and yeah, and we had no idea, as you pointed out, like, yeah. why isn't 
the history of struggles needs to be taught, and mm. especially struggles in a country that we live in, that mm. we um, are responsible for, yeah, for reconciliation and all of that. In. Exactly. Like, mm. if you think back to your um, high school and your primary days, I'm not sure about you girls, but when I was going to school, um, which was a bit um, further back than, than you two, we, there was no, like, information about the indigenous community, the indigenous struggle. The one thing that was mentioned, I remember clearly, was in grade five, and that was the dreaming. Yeah, mm. dream time. Mm. Dream time, For but sure. obviously that's something that's non-threatening, something that's yeah. like, you know, oh, that's nice, you know, and it and plays... It contributes to, like, a mysticism around indigenous yes. people and makes them makes sorry makes um indigenous culture almost seem unreal it the way that it's taught in school it's mm. like it's taught in the same way that fairy tales are taught and that yeah, kind of yeah, thing it's really old it, you know and like it, yeah it's and, and re- it relevant. no and yeah. actually it's it is not like a fairy tale this is mm. a very serious important yeah. part of um of so many indigenous mm. cultures but yeah. it isn't taught like that so it it's yeah, I, I feel like it's the seriousness is taken out of it and the significance of it to people's mm. culture. Yeah, um, and these, these, I suppose reading these um, events on the timeline, they really kind of like counter that narrative of Indigenous people like passively just taking whatever you know whatever whatever has happened mm. in in um, white settler society. <laughs> and these stories really show that there has been a history of struggle. Mm. And as you as you say, Ayan, it would be kind of threatening to actually acknowledge yeah. what, is, what has already happened. And speaking of myths, the Australia Day myth, first of all, I had no idea that... I always thought Australia Day um, was celebrated, like, throughout Australia's, like, official... Not official, but, I guess, official founding? Like or since Federation. Yeah, since, let's say since Federation. Mm. But no, um, so it only became a public holiday in 1994... And get this, um, the date, January 26th, is actually also historically inaccurate. Mm. The 26th was not when um, the British fleet arrived in um, uh, in Botany Bay. It was actually January the 18th, mm. right? So um, just like Anzac Day became um, uh, a holiday that became um, uh, mythologized and uh, is used to sort of unite, but unite in a way that assimilates yeah. rather than respects diversity and so on. Um, so th- that was interesting. Like, this is not what we were taught in schools, which is so disappointing. Um, and, s- okay, so some articles that I was uh, going through. Um, one is by Amy McGuire, who we love, oh, from love New Matilda mm-hmm. and a bunch of other um, uh uh, publications, but she this article in BuzzFeed, and I really like this article for two ring for two reasons. So the article is called um, "To Celebrate Australia Day Is to Celebrate Violence." So this article does two things. Um, it shows that Antic Day um, uh, is a myth. Um, so the way it's become symbolized to mean um, a way to, I guess. It, 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 it's, it's supposed to unite, but in uniting, it also um, alienates a community that the so-called founding of Australia 
basically um, destroyed. So, um, and another thing is it pers- uh, um, the personification of Australia as an abusive partner. So she describes Australia as like um, the abusive partner. And this is just a little snippet of the article. Um, this is what Australia Day is ultimately about, resisting accountability and it is not a coincidence, it is deliberate. Australia Day is not about mateship or a fair go. Um, it is used by a perpetrator of violence to undermine cause for justice. A, perpetra- a perpetrator of violence begins by silencing its victims. And this is what has happened over the past 230 years. So she quotes a book by um, Judith Herman called Trauma and Recovery. And this is another um, snippet. After every atrocity, one can expect to hear the same predictable apologies. It never had, it never happened. The victim lies. The victim exaggerates. The victim brought it upon herself. And in, and in any case, it is time to forget the past and move on. How, wow. how fascinating to see, to think of Australia as like that abusive partner, mm. right? Who, totally. Um, yeah, who will only accept you on their terms. And only accept you on their terms and disempower you in so many ways. Um, and and undermine your self confidence and your your emotional yeah it's like wow. gaslighting yes the denial <laughs> but yes yeah yeah so that wow. so that tripped me out and um we we just want to send a shout out to also um uh, Lydia Thorpe mm. um this is sad to report but uh, recently she's been receiving um, death threats. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, because she has said that the Australian flag should be um, flown half-mast. And I didn't know what half-mast is, so I had to Google. So that's when they, when the flag is brought down in memory of someone who died or at a funeral um, procession. So she, for her to say the flag should um, be flown at half-mast is to acknowledge the... Um, to recognise the struggles of the Indigenous Australians and to um, acknowledge all the people who've passed away in this ongoing um, uh, resistance. Um, and because of that, that was her crime, for her to acknowledge her ancestors mm. and what they went through, um, which is interesting because... This, uh, I remember on Twitter I was talking about just the venom that's coming out. Mm. And it's interesting, the more people start to um, support the indigenous community and the more these lies um, are picked apart, mm. the you know stronger and louder the opposition becomes. Cause the more so insecure afraid. they're becoming. Insecure. Yeah. Mm. The more that they can... Oh, actually, I read your tweet and I can't remember what phrasing you used, but... But essentially, yeah, that, that they're starting to feel like they're losing yeah. this battle. And, like, so they should. <coughs> yeah. Good. It's, it's good that they're feeling disempowered. Mm. And this is just us having conversations, you know, yeah. people from the community just questioning. And we haven't even dismantled anything. Yeah, like the federal government is still sitting there like a stone wall with yeah. no ears. And, you know, nothing's actually, well, I mm. nothing's happening. But, mm. Mm. Yeah, and that was, I was just tweeting Indigenous X. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That's such a great resource. Oh my god, I really love their Twitter. I don't if I feel sorry for any listeners who don't have Twitter because it's always let me get the exact. They rotate. Um, is it weekly or fortnightly? Um, Indigenous X have different guest tweet tweet people people Mm. who tweet. So um, (laughs) tweet people. (laughs) I'm tweeters. (laughs) Tweeters. (laughs) Uh, 
but they have like you know they had um Roxy Moore who's um this fantastic um indigenous woman who um works for Amnesty and works on getting children out of prison and they've had god who else have they had Luke Pearson and, mm. and just fantastic people um tweeting about different areas that they work in and different perspectives mm. and it's such a fantastic mm. yeah get on it mm-hmm. and shout out to the three councils who won't be celebrating Australia Day um, and they've dropped all references to Australia Day and the councils are um, I hope these are any well one of them is my council which is Yara we should have a brup brup sound um, <laughs> we need like a clap I know you know what well, we'll have to work on that so Yara Darabin and Moorland mm-hmm. have dropped all references to Australia Day. So, yes, come through yes. with these councils. So, if your council hasn't dropped it, I think you should um, get on it. Um, can I can I mention a yeah, few for sure. things before we end this uh, segment? Um, just in doing some research for today, uh, there was a really great website called Creative Spirits, and it had it's has a whole page about. Um, Invasion Day and what it means and different facts and I found that really informative and interesting. Awesome. Um, another thing that I thought was really uh, a really good website is called decolonizingsolidarity.org. Oh, I was just going to talk about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and it and it has this page about what can I do and it's mm-hmm. really like uh, specific and informative. So I, you know I'm going to keep having a read of that because I think that would be really good to learn from. Mm. Yeah. And for 3CR listeners, that is Claire Land from Fire First. Um, oh, she okay. wrote a book called Decolonizing Solidarity. Yeah, I really want to get my hands on that. They Apparently they That's sell it at the 3CR. You can come yeah. into the studio, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, and you can buy it from reception. Okay. Um, I'm sure that you can also buy it at bookstores, but you may as well come in yeah. and say hi. Um, and so there is a website that accompanies the book yeah. that is called Decolonizing yeah. Solidarity. So if you oh, loved cool. um, Fire First with Claire and Robbie Thorpe, Get on it. Yeah, and I, the other thing I found on that website is that there's a there's book clubs. Yes, yeah. Um, and so I e- I don't know if it's still running, but I emailed and I want to go because they yeah they cover really interesting books and it would be a really great place to go and learn and absolutely. Um, and the other thing that I found, uh, NTIV has a new show coming out called Grace Beside Me. It's a 13 part series. It's a I think it's a it's a children's show, mm. adapted from the award winning novel Grace Beside Me by Sue McPherson. It tells the story of Indigenous teenager Fuzzy Mac who just wants to be an ordinary teacher, sorry teenager, and have fun with her mates. But that's not so easy with when her ancestors have other plans and she keeps seeing ghosts. Mm. And I watched oh. the little trailer and it looks really interesting. Yes, cool. yeah. So I'm so excited. Um, so does anyone want to read? Because we still have plenty of time. Um, the uh, solidarity things that we can do or has that yeah did I blank out and we that could do that we could go to a video quickly and come back to that afterwards if that works sweet okay so uh, a song um, a video a I've video yeah sorry an audio to play um, th- it's called Donna's story so it's about um, an indigenous woman's experience of having her children taken away and prior to watching that I just th- I found some really staggering facts on um, uh, on the website Children's Ground about child protection, uh, that Aboriginal children and young people in the Northern Territory, ter- Territory are 5.6 times more likely to receive child protection services as non-Aboriginal children, um, and that the rates have actually gone up since Kevin Rudd's apology. So it's just an interesting, uh, just a very sad um, reality, and I think this video is a good, this audio, sorry, is a, is a good thing for us to watch. Listen to. Sorry. I'm going to play the... I'm going to watch it. It's by TEDx Sydney. It's called Donna. Donna's story. 
I come from north of Western Australia and our tribe is the Bari tribe. Taylor, she was just turned to, I, I made myself a cup of tea and then I um, heard a knock on the door. There was child protection service and two policemen and they said that they were there to take my kids. I said, what for? Why are you taking them? Where's the papers? I want to see the papers. And he said, oh, we don't need papers. And so I walked around the yard. They were following me everywhere, you know, trying to grab Taylor off me. Then my son come to help me. They pulled a pepper spray out and pointed it at my big boy. It was horrible. She was crying. She was screaming, gripping onto me very tight. I didn't like seeing her like that. That's why I said, you know, well, here, I'll hand her over to this woman. You know, because you guys are scaring her. It was the hardest thing to ever do. It's like my whole world was shattered. Like someone's got your heart and just squeezing it in their hand and you can't, you know, you can't function, you can't do anything really. Yeah, I couldn't sleep. The only way I felt better was I said, no, I'm going to just use all of that towards getting my kids back and fighting for them. They said that it would take about six months just to get a hearing. They also said, because of the condition of my house, that I was neglecting my children. They were in care for months. I'd see them every Friday. That was the most longest time of my life, really, waiting for that Friday. My daughter was very small, like I was. They were trying to use that against me. They said I didn't take her to the hospital, which I did. The doctors could see that it was genetic. And when he read all of the affidavits and the, all the support letters I got from all the doctors and nurses, they basically threw their paperwork out and said, you can pick your kids up. I felt like I won the lotto. <laughs> it was the most happiest day of my life. It was like when the day they were born. So that was a little audio by TEDx Sydney about um, sort of child protection issues, and it's really sad. It's just it's hard to imagine what it would be like to have your children taken away for no reason and having to go and fight in the courts to get them back. And the stress of that is just unimaginable. Yeah, I don't um, I can't imagine, and I feel like I feel like people almost. Again, it's that othering and that mythologizing of the stolen generation and that sort of thing, um, almost like it's happening over there and it's happening in, in a far off place and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, um, I'm my work, my paid job, I work with um, so I work in, in law and a lot of my clients through my job are um, members of the stolen generation. And that's not um, I'm not we're not acting in stolen generation law stuff, but just learning about the ongoing impacts and the intergenerational trauma that happen and in, and in ways that aren't necessarily covered that we don't learn about at school. Again, it's that, that people don't really talk about. Mm. Um, 
I think there is a huge disservice done in the way that we talk about these traumas as well and the way that they're framed in the mainstream media. Um, it's not enough to just know that it happened. It's not enough to know that it happened in the past. We need to talk about how it's still happening now yeah. and, and the ongoing really real multitude of ways that it, um, it's impacting people's lives. Mm. Yeah. So before, um, I think it's almost uh, up, um, which is sad because we had so much to say. Um, but j- j- just a few reminders. If you want to check out the significant moments in the Indigenous struggle in Southeast Australia, go to the Koori History website. Um, we will have it. post it on our Facebook page yes. right now. Perfect. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. So the Koori History website, um, and that website is actually quite good in that it has all types of resources, not just the timeline, there's videos, there's audio. So amazing content that's been gathered by, um, is it Gary Foley? It is. So shout out to Gary Foley, you the man. For everything for ever, <laughs> but also for this. For this as well. <laughs> and and don't forget to participate in the seven days of resistance mm-hmm. that's being, um, that has been organized by the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. They're on Facebook, the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. We're on day four. Five today. There's two more days, and it is the lead up to Australia Day. When is the Australia Day protest, and where is it again? Uh, yes, I will get that. It is. Um, it is at 11 a.m. Um, this Friday on the Parliament Steps, Spring Street. Yes, and bring flowers and banners. Yeah. Yes. We'll see you there. And bring. Make, get a good sleep. Drink lots of water. Bring your loud, loud voice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we will play. We will finish the show off with. Um, a Tuesday breakfast favorite, <laughs> our homegirl Solange. Oh. She's our homegirl, is she, she not is by now? Absolutely. She better come on the show when she comes to Australia. <laughs> I hope so. Black Girl Magic. Okay, so the song is called Cranes in the Sky. Oh, have, have a fabulous day. Have a great week. Have, oh my God. Day. See have you a, next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. <laughs>